1: Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode seven hundred and four of the a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. I am a editor and writer for Packer Report. Uh, Today, I'm going to be talking about Jordan Love again. Hopefully, you guys had the opportunity to check out uh, my episode a couple weeks back about uh, Jordan Love's 2018 film and kind of breaking everything down. Today, I'm going to be going through his 2019 film, have a couple other topics that I'd love to discuss as well. But uh, the majority of this episode is going to be dedicated to kind of going through uh, Jordan Love's 2019 uh, film and everything that I was able to kind of take away and learn from that. Um, Unlike the 2018 tape where I kind of had to Frankenstein together, as much tape as I could possibly find. Now with his 2019 tape, I had all 22 access to every single game that he played in. So um, I have absolutely every throw on tape that I was able to watch and go through. Uh, Every decision, every interception, every touchdown, every incompletion, every amazing throw, every athletic uh, play in the open field, absolutely everything. So I was able to watch every single throw from all 22 and every single play from Jordan Love uh, in all 22 for 2019. And uh, really excited to kind of break that down for you. Um, If you haven't had a chance to check it out, the article also is up on PackerReport.com, both the 2018 and the 2019 version. So again, that's what I'm going to be primarily going into today. I hope you guys enjoy it. I just can't always uh, say enough how much I appreciate you guys listening in. I've heard so much amazing feedback about the podcast lately, and that really means so much to me. Um, If you haven't had a chance, if you guys listen to an episode, um, whosoever it may be, and you you really enjoyed it, uh, reach out either. You know, on Twitter to the podcast or to those people individually and tell them how much you appreciate it. Um, This is a labor of love for so many of us. We love bringing you this content. Uh, it's one of the coolest things about getting to do this is to hear some of the stories that some of the individual podcasters tell about how they've met people, um, you know, that they've met on the podcast and actually met them in person and, you know, have built friendships and all those sort of things. And um, it's, it's one of the coolest things about this podcast. And it uh, wouldn't really be possible uh, without you guys. I, I shouldn't even say that because we would probably be doing this because we love doing it anyway. But it's a whole hell of a lot more fun when you guys are interacting and enjoying it. And um, we see that you guys are listening with the numbers that we get. So thank you so much. Uh, I really, truly, sincerely mean that. I know that this isn't exactly the... Uh, The normal off-season, I know that this is not uh, normally, you know, this is kind of like the downtime in the NFL season anyway, so uh, not everyone's, you know, listening to a 365-day a year pack-a-day podcast like normal, but here you are today, and uh, again, I can't appreciate that enough, so thank you, I appreciate you taking the time, uh, appreciate you supporting the podcast, and uh, let's jump in, let's get right started, you know, started right away today. Um, And before I get to Jordan Love, I do want to talk uh, a little bit about Cam Newton. You know, I'm sure everyone's now seen this as you're listening to this on Monday or later uh, that the Patriots have signed Cam Newton. Um, That was kind of the breaking news. And since we don't really get a ton of breaking news about the NFL uh, at this point in the season, I certainly wanted to at least touch base on it a little bit. Um, I think this is a really great sign, and this is just so New England. You, you know, we've seen the Buccaneers go out and spend, you know, two years fifty million for Tom Brady, all guaranteed. Philip Rivers one year twenty five million, all guaranteed for Philip Rivers. You know, the Bears spend a fourth round pick to trade for Nick Foles, I think three years twenty four million somewhere around there. You know, you see all these transactions that have taken place with all these different quarterbacks in the offseason. Patriots just kind of sit back, take their time, see what happens in the draft, you know, don't really find anyone. They seem sort of comfortable with Jarrett Stidham if they wanted to go in that direction. And then, you know, just kind of swoop in at the end of, you know, uh, you know kind of the offseason period as, as we're about a month away from potentially starting training camps and say, you know what? We're going to bring Cam Newton in. Not a minimum contract. It's up to $7.5 million. I have a feeling that there's a ton of incentives baked into that, so it's going to be a much uh, lower cap hit to them um, would be my guess. Um, but that's about as minimum as it gets for a starting quarterback in the National Football League. Um, we've even seen some top-tier uh, backup deals like Chase Daniel and, I mean, hell, Taysom Hill um, and, and those. I know Taysom Hill does some other things as well, but, you know, we've seen some pretty high-end uh, backup quarterback deals recently. You know, this is less than that, so this is a, a bare minimum starting quarterback contract. They pick him up at $7.5 million at the end of the, you know, kind of offseason, and they're ready to run with them. and 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 I'm really excited to see Cam Newton with a Josh McDaniels led offense he has no, almost no supporting cast. I mean, Julian Edelman is great, but he's far past his prime. Um, They've got some solid running backs that, you know, Mohamed Sanu, Nikhil Harry, they're going to need a step from Harry big time. Um, You know, they just don't have a ton of great weapons, but they've got a phenomenal defense. They've got a great special teams. They've got the greatest coach of all time. They've got a phenomenal offensive coordinator. Um, Cam Newton is a shell of his former self, but can still do some really unique things on the football field. And I'm really excited to see what that Patriots offense is going to be able to do with Cam Newton. I'm excited for Cam Newton. I, I thir- certainly think that he deserved this opportunity. And we'll see. Maybe Jared Stidham still gets the nod, but if I were a betting man, I would say that Cam Newton will be your Patriots starting quarterback uh, in Week One. And uh, it's it's good for football that that Cam is in there. It, it's certainly a great talking point um, with the the Patriots and Cam Newton. Uh, we'll give everyone some some you know football information to talk about for the next couple of days, if nothing else. So I uh, you know kind of an excited you know exciting signing. And uh, again, I, I'm certainly looking forward to see what he's going to be able to do in that Josh McDaniels offense. One other thing, this was an interesting question that was posted today. Uh, Joe Kipp, um, who I really need to get on the podcast at some you know time, he does a fantastic job He posted a question Would you rather try to tackle AJ Dillon or avoid being tackled by Kenny Clark? And I had to think about this for a little bit, but I think I would rather avoid being tackled by Kenny Clark rather than trying to tackle AJ Dillon. So let's start by this I don't stand a chance in either situation, right? But, um, you know, me having to try to take down AJ Dillon, that's a guaranteed fail. That there's nothing that's ever going to, um, you know, get me where I could actually try, and it's just going to hurt. Hurt a lot. I mean, he's he's just going to absolutely run through me. I mean, he he runs through, you know, fit in shape inside linebackers for a living. There's no chance um that I'm going to be able to take down AJ Dillon. So th- that, that's an immediate fail. Um yeah, so th- that that sounds awful. I guess maybe I could get lucky and I mean, he could just run by me or something, but I don't think that that's going to be how that ends. So, um I did choose uh, I'm going to avoid being tackled by Kenny Clark now. He's still going to catch me and it's still going to hurt, but I just feel like there is a difference in me trying to run away and feel like I can escape and, and maybe, you know, um, you know, maybe just maybe, you know, get to the sidelines or something. Like I said, it's going to fail miserably, but I feel like in his effort to try to kind of take me down, I'm going to be able to brace. Um, I'm going to be able to, you you know, maybe he's just able to trip me up or something like that. Um, I think I could at least have a better chance of avoiding pain by being, you know, trying to avoid being tackled by Kenny Clark than rather than trying to tackle AJ Dillon. I mean, what am I going to do to AJ Dillon? And at least I'm like running away at full sprint from Kenny Clark. And like I said, he is going to catch me. It is going to hurt. Um, But I just don't think it's going to hurt as much as me trying to run full steam at AJ Dillon and trying to bring him down. So I uh, love your question, Joe. Uh, I'm going to choose being tackled by Kenny Clark, although this is quite the the Sophie's choice, and I'm not excited about it. Um, but I think that's the smart way to go, even if it's going to be painful. All right, let's jump into our main topic, or my main topic, um, talking about Jordan Love and his 2019 tape. Um, if you haven't had a chance, I do recommend before, you know, kind of. Um, you know, digging into this too far, at least, you know, you're probably not going to put this on pause and listen to a previous episode. But um, when you're done with this, go back and listen to the 2018 uh, version of this podcast that I put out a couple weeks back or go read the article. I was beaming uh, about Jordan Love after watching his 2018 tape. I, and I, I said this um, in my article if you were just showing me 2018 Jordan Love tape, Versus uh, Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers college tape or things like that. Give me Jordan Love's 2018 tape. I I absolutely loved it. He showed me absolutely everything that I would want to see. Yes, there were some turnover-worthy plays, but I would feel like you know off of that 2018 tape that those were some things that I you know could correct. They weren't in abundance. They were still there, um, but I I feel like it was something that you know as a you know if I were a coach that I you know could correct that and kind of fix that out of him. Um, you know every throw was available to him he had great athleticism you know through with accuracy through with confidence he played within the offense he was able to make off scripted plays i mean i was on cloud 9 watching jordan loves 2018 tape i fully get i mean any team that wanted to spend a first round pick wanting to you know i would have graded him easily a top 10 pick off of his 2018 tape alone, if not top five type caliber draft pick. In fact, I think probably higher than that. That That's how highly I thought of Jordan Love's 2018 tape. Um, and of course, I think most of you know by listening to various scouting reports on Jordan Love that that was not the same in 2019. That was not the case in 2019. It was not the same Jordan Love. And I think a lot of the You know, a lot of the talk has been about well, you know, the coaching staff changed, and you know the the supporting cast around him was not the same. I think it was you know five of his top six um, receivers on offense were gone. His top running back was gone. So yeah, a lot of that was true, and I'm going to get into that in just a moment. But you know, when I saw some of those turnover-worthy plays from Jordan Love in 2018 again, first of all, you saw flashes of those and it was just, you know, the the other team wasn't always intercepting the pass when they had the opportunity to do so or coming up with the fumble or things like that. Um, But, you know, those plays were there. You know, what I would hope for as a, a, you know, as I'm scouting him is I would hope to see, all right, 2018, he, he had a few plays on tape where he made some poor decisions. I really want to see that improve in 2019. And that was far from the case. In fact, not only did it not improve, it got significantly worse to the point where you have some serious questions that you need to ask about what happened with you know Jordan Love in 2019. Um, Pro Football Focus had him down for 26 turnover-worthy plays in 2019. I thought I was being conservative, and I had 32 turnover-worthy plays. Now, in the article and on my Twitter, you can find a... Uh, you know, a video or two videos technically of all of the turnover worthy plays from Jordan Love in 2019. I think maybe one or two of those you could say, all right, maybe it wasn't a true turnover worthy play. And in my estimation, it was at minimum a very poor decision. And if something just went a hair different, it would have been a turnover or turnover worthy play. Um, so I counted it. But, you know, whether it's 26, whether it's 28, 30, 32, however many that you want to go within that frame. It is a problem and it was a significant problem in 2019. So let me kind of walk through that a little bit. So just kind of game by game. in Wake Forest, Against Wake Forest in week one, he had six turnover-worthy plays. I'm going to discuss this game a little bit further in just a moment. Then he played Stony Brook, which is you know nobody. He didn't have any turnover-worthy plays in that game. He played against San Diego State and had two turnover-worthy plays. Um, then against Colorado State, he had four LSU, he had three. Nevada, he had five. Air Force, he had one. BYU, he had three. Then Fresno State, I didn't credit him with any turnover-worthy plays. Wyoming, he had three. Boise State, he had two. New Mexico, he had three. And then Kent State in the bowl game, I did not have any. So he had three games with no turnover-worthy plays. He had one game in which there was just one turnover-worthy play against Air Force, and every other game had multiple turnover-worthy plays, and in fact, most had three or more. So... There's lots to be concerned about there, and as I talked about last uh, time, when I talked about this from his 2018 tape, there's three general you know themes that come up when he's having these turnover-worthy plays. Either a, he's trying to do too much. B, he's staring down a receiver and it's causing the safety or somebody to kind of go in that direction because he's staring down and kind of predetermining a throw. Or C, he's not reading the defense correctly and not having vision to where he's throwing the football and those things all popped up again in 2019 again to a greater extent. And you didn't need to look any further than his Wake Forest tape in week 1. This is a game against a team from a Power 5 conference. You know, you're Utah State, you've got a brand new head coach. Um you're a lot of your supporting, you know, cast is gone, and you're f- facing Wake Forest in week 1, Power 5 team, ACC, and you have the opportunity to win this game. And Jordan Love had six turnover-worthy plays in that game, and they cost them immensely. So three of them were near turnover-worthy plays, so uh, near interceptions uh, that were not actually turnovers. But three of those six did actually end in turnovers. This ended up being a close game. I don't have the score on me, but I th- it was, no, they lost by three points. So they, they ended up losing to Wake Forest by three points. In the very first quarter, it was either the first drive or second drive, one of the first drives uh, in the game. Uh, Utah State drives all the way down into Wake Forest's uh, red zone, and Jordan Love threw a pick in the end zone, which obviously took points off the board. Um, you know, if they, if they convert a touchdown, it's taking seven off the board. Even if they just stay where they were, it would have been a chip shot field goal. That takes three points off the board right there. Later in the game, um, I believe it was actually in the third quarter. Uh, Jordan Love, they're backed up, I think, at their own seven or eight yard line. And they're actually winning the game at this point. And Love throws a horrible interception to the right side of the field. Almost was a pick six, uh, but it basically turned the ball over within their own red zone and put the Utah State defense in a horrible position. Um, Wake Forest would go on to score off of that interception. Um, So in the first one took points off the board. Second one gave points to Wake Forest. And then in the third one, it was the final drive of the game. Uh, there's less than a minute left. They're down by three points. And Jordan Love has, has you know driven them down uh, to about the 30, 31 yard line. So we're looking at a 47 to 48 yard field goal as is. And I'm not gonna pretend like I know how good Utah State's kicker is. I have no idea. Uh, maybe he needed a 30 yard field goal to be successful. But the point being here, Jordan Love threw an interception on this play. He had an an open receiver underneath. He could have taken the underneath throw. He didn't. He tried throwing it over the top of a linebacker or a defensive back. I forget who it was. And the ball was intercepted and it effectively lost them. The game did not give them the opportunity to at least attempt the field goal. And if I remember correctly, that was not like a third down play. Um, It was a play uh, earlier in the down and distance. So Jordan Love legitimately you can make an argument, you know, really lost them that game in week one against Wake Forest. Um, BYU, you know, he threw two almost identical interceptions in that game, you know, just not, you know, having vision to where he was throwing the football, basically threw it right to the inside linebacker. And that's an issue that continues to come up with him is you'll just see him throw it it right in the, the hands of a defender that he never saw. And and there's a lot of concern there. So those third, you know, 32 turnover-worthy plays was again my by far my biggest takeaway and something that has to give you you know cause for concern. And again, if you go back and you listen to my 2018 takeaway, um, I was on cloud nine. The, I I could not have been more excited about Jordan Love. I, I would have bought as much stock as I possibly could have bought just off of the 2018 tape. But the 2019 tape there's a lot there's a lot to take in there. And there's there's certainly you know, some truth to the the supporting cast and, and the the rest of the team and the transition. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But um you would have liked to have seen him tone things down a little bit, be able to make better decisions. And I you know, I can live, you know, with some of the I can live with some of the, you know, him trying to do too much. The the superhero plays when you're in that situation. I've said this before, but you you talk about him playing against LSU. He's outmanned at every other position. The the ten players that he has on his side of the field are are going to be outplayed by the ten players across from his ten players in every single matchup. LSU is going to have a better player than Utah State does. If he's trying to do a little too much in that game, I get it. I can live with that. No big deal. Uh, I, I can totally understand that. You know, in some of those situations, I get it. And if, if he's, you know, staring down a receiver or something like that, I feel like that's something that you can coach out. Uh, but my second takeaway was that, and, I, and this was honestly one of my takeaways in the 2018, you know, um, version as well. He has to learn to throw with vision and he has to do a better job of reading defenses. I cannot put this any more simple. Jordan Love has every trait, talent, skill, throw, athletic ability, everything to be a top five quarterback in the NFL. I've seen it on tape. I believe in it. I know what he's capable of. I know what he can do. I have two questions and two questions only. Can he limit the turnovers and can he read defenses? And there's absolutely unequivocally signs of him being able to read a defense and pick it apart. You will see it from time to time. And you, you, you have almost this like hallelujah type moment, you know, cause you see it on tape, but there are other times where it just seems like he's completely fooled, you know, predetermining where he's going to go with the throw, expecting one thing from the defense. And it's almost like he doesn't have the ability to kind of get off of it. And that, again, that's very, very concerning. So, if you can answer those two questions, if you can say, you know what, I think we can limit some of those turnover-worthy plays, and you know what, we can get him to read defenses better, and we can, you know, have him throw, you know, with vision on on where he's throwing into specific windows and, and throwing receivers open and things like that. If you feel like you can answer those two questions, to me, you've got. a a stud at quarterback. Again, he has every potential in the world, and this is not a project, in my opinion, in any other way. He he has shown me on tape that he can do everything else. It's just limiting the turnovers and learning how to read defenses, and that's what those next couple years or however long Jordan Love has in that transition period, that's what he has to learn how to do because this is not an NFL anymore where you can have the Brett Favre type numbers. Let's be real. Brett Favre is, is basically, in my opinion, the only gunslinger type quarterback that's ever succeeded um, in the NFL and actually kind of like won a Super Bowl. Um, and a lot of that was because in his most successful years are the teams where Mike Holmgren, Mike McCarthy, and, to, and really Brad Childress in the one year in Minnesota was able to calm him down, um, have him play within the offense, and get him to not throw as many interceptions. Um, because, you know, when when Favre had his years where he was throwing so many interceptions um, and and major interceptions and in, in some huge games, the, the Rams what six interception, five, six interception game in the playoffs, you know, it's just obviously really hard to win some of those games. And the NFL, the teams are so good at taking care of the football now. If you lose the turnover battle, you're going to lose games. So Jordan Love's not in a position where he can come in the NFL and be great, but throw 20 interceptions in a season, and you know expect to have a you know a successful season. Yeah, you might go nine and seven, ten and six, you maybe even eleven and five. You might you know because if he's really good in every other area, you know you might be able to pull off some wins if you, if your supporting cast is good, if your defense is good, um, but. If you really wanna truly be successful, make runs in the playoffs, you've gotta be able to take care of the football. And again, I think that's the major question with Jordan Love. I feel confident about everything else, but those are the two main questions and those were my two biggest takeaways from my 2018 review. All right, let's kind of jump forward. Number three, yes, the new offense was disjointed everything was a tick off. There were bad snaps from the center. The offensive line didn't protect him as well. Him and his receivers were not always on the same page uh, with route running, um, especially early in the season. Um, You know, he would expect a receiver to go one way, they would go a different way. Um, There were some interesting play calls that were made. Just everything on offense seemed to be a tick off and a little bit uh, disjointed from what it was the previous season. So yes, there was absolutely a piece of that. And I do think, especially earlier in the season, and if you kind of look again, the, the, the six turnover worthy plays in week one, he had two in week three, he had four in week four three and five, and then five in week six, you know, if, if you look at that, that's what, five, eight, 12, 14, 20 turnover-worthy plays in the first six games, um, and then he had only 12 in the next two, three, four, five, six, in the next seven, so... I do think that some of that disjointed offense in the first six weeks of the season was a big cause of that. And I do think he got a little bit better as the season went along. Not great. It still came up. You still saw too many. And BYU is a great example of that, um, to say the least. But I do think he got better. And there's absolutely a point to be made about the offense being disjointed. Number four is that the supporting cast absolutely let him down his numbers would look so much better if his receivers would just catch passes, open passes down the field. I lost count of how many simple swing passes and catches over the middle um, and you know screen passes and downfield throws that were just on the money that his receivers, tight ends, running backs, etc., failed to come up with. There was absolutely a difference in the supporting cast from 2018 to 2019. And it was a, a big piece of, of what happened with Jordan Love. Now, I don't think you can make this simple statement of saying, listen, the coaching staff changed, the offense was disjointed and his supporting cast wasn't as good. And that's why Jordan Love had these 32 turnover worthy plays. I I legitimately do not believe that that's the case. And the reason I say that is because I saw um, too much of it in 2018. It was again, manageable, but still a little concerning and then, you know, when things just went a little bit different, you saw it really come to fruition in, in 2018. So, did it play a part? Yes. Would its numbers have been much better? Yes. Would it, some of these, um, you know, decision making and, and poor choices uh, still have come up? Uh, you know, even if he had better um, receivers, I do think they would have. But. Um, I do think his numbers would have looked much, much better. The touchdowns would have been higher. Uh, The completion percentage would have been higher. You know, the wins would have been higher. I I think that would have come if he had a better supporting cast, and I definitely think his offense as a whole let him down in 2019. The next thing is a positive. Um, He remained the same player every game, every down. It didn't matter if he just threw a crushing interception. It didn't matter if one of those teammates, as as mentioned, just let him down, dropped a pass, had a you know, pass bounce off their hands and go into the waiting hands of a defender, um, having a major fumble by a running back. It didn't matter. He was the same player. He remained even keeled. Um, he showed leadership in those type of situations. Um, I remember the running back fumbling the ball. That was a major point in the game. The other team came up with the turnover. He ran over to go pick up his running back. You know, just sort of things like that. You, you never saw anything. You never saw him, you know, ream out a player on the field He's not like the the cheerleader. He's not going to be the Drew Brees. He's not going to be the Russell Wilson. At least I haven't seen that. I, I don't want to. I say that he can't be that player, but I haven't seen that. I don't think he's going to be the the rah rah cheerleader type motivational quarterback. But I think he's going to lead by example. I think he's going to um, encourage his players, encourage his teammates, and just be the same quarterback every day um, and every game and every play, no matter what happened on the previous series, no matter if they were down forty two to ten or up sixty to nothing. It didn't matter. He was the same guy. Playing Play in and play out, and I think that um, you know, I think that consistency is a very important trait and something that I definitely mark as a positive for Jordan Love. The next one is I kind of wrote this wrong in my article, to be honest. I wrote that his release was too quick, and I, what I probably should have wrote was that his decision making was too quick. And he's got a very fast release, and that's a good thing overall. But um, you know, every once in a while, he will just kind of get the ball in fire. And sometimes he makes those decisions too quick. And that kind of goes back a little bit to having vision to where he's throwing the football, making sure his receiver's ready to kind of be in a place in a spot where they can make the catch um, so just some of those sort of things, but you would see him kind of just get the ball and, and throw. and you love to see some of those quick passes, those quick hitters and he was very successful with some of them. But in certain situations and circum- certain circumstances, excuse me, he made some of those decisions a little bit too quick. and I think he's gonna have to kind of tone that down. And that was really that was really one of the themes of the entire season as well is everything just was a little bit too fast. And I think if if I were Matt Lafleur, and again, everyone can think who you know whoever they pray to that I'm not, um, but I, I think if if you can start by just slowing Jordan Love down just a little bit, I thought he was more cool, calm, and collected in 2018. I thought he was a little bit more just calm, and I think in 2019 it almost seemed like he was just p- trying to play. A tick too fast, trying to get the ball out a little too quick. Um, you know, there would be times where he would have a receiver open downfield and he would just, you know, throw it a step too quick and it would end up going past the receiver. You know, just some things like that. I think if you can calm him down, get some of that confidence back, surround him with some good football players and a good option, you know, or a good offense. I think that, you know, he's going to be in a much better position to succeed, Uh, but I do think he made some decisions too quick, Um, just kind of released the ball with not exactly knowing what was going to happen, and I think he's going to have to tone some of that down a little bit as well. Another positive, he did start throwing the ball away a little bit more. So you talk about that decision-making, you want to see him, you know, start making the decisions where he's just going to live to see another down, especially as the season went on. And as I mentioned, you saw those turnover-worthy plays decrease as the season went along. And I think part of that had to do with him learning to kind of live to see another down and and throw the ball away a little bit. And I know Aaron Rodgers gets some some crap sometimes for, uh, you know, how many throwaways that he has. Um, you you know, that's a a topic of discussion for another day, but uh, I do think that you started to see some of those positives where instead of trying to force something where it just wasn't there and, you know, trying to make a hero type play as the season went along, he got better at throwing the ball away and, and living to see another down. So I definitely think that that was a positive, especially as the season went along. All right. Next observation, a ton of screenplays, a ton, ton, ton of screenplays. In fact, Pro Football Focus had him over 25 percent of his completions were on screen passes, and that—that's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, um, Jordan Love, with his agility and his ability to get the the throw off from various angles, you know, sidearm and every other way that you can throw a football imaginable, Jordan Love can pretty much get it out. Um, you know, it's not a bad thing that he had, you know, a bunch of completions on screen passes. But in those situations where the offense is predicated on some of those quick passes and, and so many screens, you really want to see a high end completion percentage 65, 66, 68, um, at least something in, in that range. And Loves was, you know, right hovering right around 61%. And that 60% mark is the kind of Mendoza line. And the good news is he had like a 64, I want to say percent completion percentage in 2018. So he showed the ability to, to, you know, to have a good completion percentage and have good accuracy. But... Um, that, that, that's a little bit of a startling number that when you're completing 25% of your passes over that as screen passes and your completions, you know, percentage is still hovering around 60%, it's a little bit of a red flag, but um, again, it's kind of a double-edged sword here. He was very good at, at these screen passes. Um, he, again, he was able to get them out from a variety of angles, um, but uh, there was a high percentage of them and his completion percentage probably should have been higher when you consider that 25% plus uh, were screen plays. Next one, and and this kind of goes hand in hand with what I was kind of saying with my last one, is simply the accuracy wasn't as good in 2019 as it was in 2018. And we've talked a lot about a lot of things already that played a part. When your offensive line's not good, when you're playing a little bit too fast, when you don't have as much faith in your receivers, when you're outgunned at almost every other position and you're trying to make plays on your own, some of that's going to happen, but. I'm not specifically talking here about overall completion percentage and things like that, or contested catch, you know, completion percentage. I'm talking about when Jordan Love has receivers open and and had a clean pocket. And simply the accuracy in those situations just wasn't as good in in 2019 as it was in 2018. It wasn't horrible. Wasn't anything specific that you look at his footwork or his mechanics or anything like that and say, "Okay, we've we've got a major problem here." Wasn't a Josh Allen situation where he's just grounding you know balls into the um, you know at at his running backs' feet on simple swing passes. Wasn't anything like that, but it was noticeable, Um, and I think that's just something that you've got to take a look at. You've got to evaluate and say, "Okay, what was the reason for that?" You know, I, I think it's safe to say. That Green Bay believes that the 2018 tape is what they can make Jordan Love into, and that the 2019 tape. And Brian Gutekunst even mentioned the supporting cast um, in his in his post game or post draft press conference. So I, I think it's safe to say that they do believe that some of the things that happened in 2019 weren't really what the the true Jordan Love is and that the the true Jordan Love is closer to the 2018 version and you know any team that spent a first round pick on Jordan Love had to have believed that same exact thing and uh you know we'll see what happens but you know I think those questions have to be answered is, is why some of that accuracy took a hit he looked the same you know he looked like the same quarterback like I said I think he was playing a little bit faster which absolutely could have played a factor into this but um, again, I think if they they get him to slow down just a little bit, trust the offense, trust his teammates, um, and, and just kind of uh, go through the offense and, and make some of those ad lib plays as needed, um, I think he can be put in a good position to succeed. But you want to see some of that 2018 accuracy come back. The next one, and this is a little bit con, you know kind of concerning as well, is I think defensive coordinators, especially NFL defensive coordinators, are going to have options on how they want to stop Jordan Love. First of all, he struggled against the blitz uh, this past season. You know he, his numbers were not good against the blitz, and uh, you would see him get a little bit panicky at times. It's not anything that I don't think he can overcome. I didn't. I didn't watch him against the blitz and say, "Oh, his, his eyes are dropping and he's panicking." It's not anything like that. It's just it, overall his his numbers were not good against the blitz. But more importantly, I think there's almost this um, you know teams against Brett Favre. You know, once they kind of figured him out. They would play a lot of, you know, safer defenses, try to limit some of Favre's big throws down the field, some of those big playmaking opportunities, and make him go, you know, 80 yards consistently without making mistakes. And the famous quote was, you know, if we can just play defense, be in the right place, you know, he's going to give us, you know, two or three opportunities every game to take away the football. And if I'm a defensive coordinator playing against Jordan Love, you know, that's what I'm going to start by doing. I'm going to take away the big plays down the field. I'm going to try to keep him in the pocket and I'm going to make him complete, you know, passes down the field um, and, 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 you know, really go 80 yards, you know, on nine or 10 plays and see if I can't, you know, make him turn the ball over uh, a few times over the course of the game while he's doing that. And if I can do that as a defensive coordinator, I'm going to feel pretty good about it. You know, add in the fact that, you know, he's struggled a little bit against the blitz, add in the fact that he's, um, you know, struggled to read defenses. And and as a defensive coordinator, I'm going to be able to throw some exotic looks at him that he's not seen in the past. And as a defensive coordinator, I'm going to start feeling pretty good about the game plan that I would put together. Even if I start playing safe and he starts picking me apart a little bit, all right, let's blitz him. Let's see if he can handle that. All right, he's, he's picking apart the blitz a little bit. All right, let me throw some exotic looks at him. And I just don't know that Jordan Love has all the answers. And we should obviously say at this point that there are a few rookie quarterbacks who have those answers. That's that's what takes time to learn in the NFL is how to read those defenses. And how to overcome those obstacles that, you know, great NFL defensive coordinators are going to throw at you. Um, but I do think that defensive coordinators have options against him and he's going to have to learn to overcome really all three of those. Uh, the exotic looks, the, the blitzes, and uh, just kind of some of the vanilla defense that makes him really drive down the field without converting on some of those, those uh, you know, top end big plays, those playmaking type plays. Uh, last couple thoughts. Um, he played out of the shotgun almost entirely. So you talk about Matt LaFleur wanting to go maybe more under center, more play action that, you know, Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, um, you know, Sean McVay, you know, style of offense, you know, maybe some more power football, um, a lot of play action off of that. You know, if that's the case, um, you know, that's totally foreign to Jordan Love. And it's not anything that he can't overcome. But I think it's, it's worth at least mentioning is that he played shotgun basically entirely and He played shotgun spread with a lot of screen passes. Um, And now you're going into a Matt LaFleur system that has a lot of complexity. And I mean, again, all of this is, you know, all this is to say that he's in a great position to learn from Aaron Rodgers, both how to learn an offense like this, how to avoid turnover worthy plays, how to read defenses. He gets to learn from absolutely one of the best to ever do it. Um, and hopefully you can pick up on some of those things, but, um, he's going to have to learn how to play under center and how to play in a totally different offense than what he did in the last couple of years at Utah state, both in 2018 and in 2019. And then last but not least, he trusts his wide receivers. And I I think that that's one of the things that, you know, was a little bit refreshing about Jordan Love is, you know, he's not willing or, you know, he's not afraid to take shots to his receivers in one-on-one situations and put the ball in a position where his receiver can go up and get it. And this is not um, this is not the same as some of those turnover plays that I mentioned earlier. This is a, a positive trait for Jordan Love, and I think as he gets NFL caliber receivers that can even do this at a higher level, I think this is going to be even a, a better opportunity for Jordan Love. But man, I mean, he he trusts his receivers. Even when he lost his uh, top receivers going into 2019, he put his receivers in ability to go up and and get the football and, and succeed. And I think that's really gonna be something that his receivers appreciate quite a bit. Um, it's something that you'll hear receivers with Aaron Rodgers talk about from time to time, where you know they kind of want to be the playmaker to go up and um, you know have faith, and, and that, that the receiver's going to go up and make the play. Let the receiver be the playmaker. You know, Jordan Love do, does that, and he has confidence in those guys, and I think those guys. Uh, those receivers really build confidence based off of Jordan Love giving him, you know, giving those receivers that opportunity. So he he absolutely trusts his wide receivers. He's going to put them in a position to go up and make a play. Um, and sometimes, a lot of times in 2018, those receivers came down and made the play. A lot of times in 2019, they didn't. Uh, but he didn't lose faith in them, and he kind of kept giving them the opportunity to show that you know they could succeed. And I think they really appreciated that. And again, I think that's a positive trait for Jordan Love going forward. All right. So that does it for my Jordan Love recap. Again, I would highly recommend going back and listening to the 2018 version if you haven't already. Um, It was two weeks ago. Um, And then I, uh, you know, again, I think the, the 2019 tape says a lot the Packers obviously feel very confident that the 2018 Jordan Love is is closer to the real version and that some of the things that happened in 2019 were either a you know victim of circumstance with the offense that he was playing with or that they're going to be able to coach out of him and i think it's going to be really exciting to see you know where Jordan Love ends up within that spectrum is is he closer to the 2018 version I'm still really excited about Jordan Love as a prospect after watching every snap. And again, I go back to the fact that I've seen him do everything on a football field that a top-end quarterback needs to do. He just needs to make better decisions. And his whole career, frankly, is going to come down to how he can read defenses and how he can take care of the football. And if he can learn to do that, the sky's the limit. And if he can't, he's going to be destined for one of those interesting Jay Cutler, Jameis Winston type careers where you have some good seasons. And in the seasons where you learn to limit those turnovers a little bit, I think he's going to be, you know, maybe a a top 15 ish starting quarterback, top 15, top 20. And in the seasons where he's having high end turnovers, it's not going to be as pretty. And uh, I think it's going to be very paramount that he does learn that, especially in a Matt LaFleur based offense. I think Matt LaFleur's offense is great for Jordan Love. I think it's going to give him some open looks. I think he's going to be able to run the system with success. I think he's going to be able to ad lib and make plays when he needs to, but I think he's going to be very successful in that offense. So I'm still excited about Jordan Love as a prospect. I have a lot more questions after watching his 2019 tape than I did after his 2018 tape. Uh, But uh, again, I still am excited overall. And I think Green Bay's got a really unique and intriguing prospect. And I think that's always fun as a fan. I know a lot of people wanted uh, a wide receiver, really anything probably besides a quarterback. But I I think there's always this this really interesting aspect of having a, a player like Jordan Love at the most important position on your team and seeing how he's going to develop and and me you know I for one am really excited how that's going to look over the course of the next couple seasons as he starts to develop that does it for me today i hope you enjoyed this podcast and kind of breaking down some of Jordan Love's 2019 tape uh, thank you again for supporting and listening if you're looking for ways to support the podcast um one you can always subscribe like um recommend to a friend uh, the podcast we always appreciate that Um, you know, mention us on Twitter. But if you are looking to support us financially, um, you can actually go uh, to our Twitter page. And uh, in the bio, there is a link to supporting us. Um, and I would, you know, obviously really appreciate it. We would really appreciate any support that you can give. Um, and you can, you know, sign up for a one-time, uh, you know, gift, you can do a a monthly subscription. Um, there are, you know, I think it's something as low as like a dollar per month that you can support. And any of that really helps us out and just kind of helps us get, um, you know, microphones and, uh, you know, bring to you a, a high quality product and, and keep some of the great people that are doing such great work on this podcast, uh, keep them on the team. So uh, anything that you can do in that regards is amazing and we would love you for it. Uh, but even if not, you know, just like, subscribe, um, write a review, any of those things would be amazing as well. Make sure to listen in tomorrow for a all-new episode, as always, 365 days a year. I hope you all enjoy your 4th of July weekend. Stay safe, stay healthy. Uh, appreciate you all, and as always, Go Pack Go!